0: Top 40 country radio recording artist D.A. Cole is firing things up on the Lions Radio Network with this provocative approach to talk radio. Hot topics, interesting guests, and music will entice listeners to call in and join the conversation on Turning Up the Heat. Welcome to Turning Up the Heat
1: along with my producer, engineer, and co-host, Mr.
2: Brian Gard. Again, I want to thank my parents for having me. (laughs) Today's guest had an outstanding college career in football and baseball at the University of Colorado,
1: and after being drafted to Major League Baseball by the Philadelphia Phillies, went on to have one of the great franchise careers with the New York Mets. But he's also a good friend of mine. Please welcome to the show, John the
2: Dude Stearns. Bill.
3: John, how are you, buddy? Hey, guys. Hey, John, to good to have I'm you. Trying, I'm, I'm trying to get rid of that dude nickname, man. It's still with <laughs> me. <laughs> hey,
1: you, John, I, that's going to be tough. Um, that is it, one of these indelible lifelong. But if, if you want, we can start here tonight by, uh, by setting the precedent of not calling you the dude anymore. That was the final dude comment.
3: Well, at least you kept the bad out of it. It's supposed to
0: be bad, yeah. dude. But and you know what? And Brian,
1: and Brian actually, moments ago, Brian said it's bad, dude. I said, no, 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 don't no, don't don't say don't say bad, just the dude. So yeah. we. Uh, yeah, that's cool. man.
3: Hey, here's what I tell people when I when they bring that name up. I say, listen, I dropped the e and changed bad to good, so now I'm the good dud. <laughs>
0: Uh, there, you go. there you go Very
2: humbling of you, sir <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Well uh, Just to give our listeners um,
0: A little, little, little
1: uh, info A little background um, uh, First of all, uh, I, I met John John and I became friendly uh, in, Last year uh, September, I think it was, right John? Uh, and it was in uh, P- Point Loma, California Point Loma in the San Diego area Actually in Shel- on Shelter right. Island at an event that um, John was uh, out there to be interviewed for a documentary for a f- uh, documentary film, and uh, John was one of the participants um, that was going to be used in the documentary. I don't know what has happened to that since. Um, I, <laughs> I have. I, yeah, I was wondering. If, <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. I didn't really know if I should ask you or not. It's
2: funny how yeah, those yeah so, so it's funny how some of those projects just fall off the cliff over there in point loma <laughs> well, well we had a great
0: uh, time, the, a
3: great time out. but that, the, the
1: good the good the good thing is is that i oh, john i met john and i was there to perform some live music and uh got a chance to sing out there uh, on the west coast a uh, couple of shows and uh in between uh the musical performances john and i got a chance to hang out and uh and we had we definitely had a, a few laughs and uh I've got some stories that I've told people, uh, that, uh, you know, raise some eyebrows and I got, got a chance to take John out to, um, a local espresso joint called the better buzz, giving a plug to a coffee place on, uh, on, on Point West Loma. Carolina, yeah. Brian, uh, John, uh, coincidentally, Brian used to live around the corner, literally around the block from that place. And, uh, so, uh, he has some stories about that living in that area as well, so John and i uh, t- uh to our listeners, John and I went and uh, had a chance to get off, get off uh Point Loma and uh, just go out a little bit and hang out and get to know each other and and i got uh i think i had you uh you, you saw me drink a couple of espressos, but I think you had a couple yourself, did you not John yeah,
3: I did you broke me in on espresso i like it now. i
1: broke yeah, <laughs> there you go I, another addict to do to d a cole um, John. Sure. We uh, Brian and I, you know, we were we were um we were going over a couple of your some of your uh, interesting uh, career uh stats, and um I'm gonna just ask you just so our listeners get a little you know little background on how you got started, you know, in, 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 in baseball, but but before that even uh you know your career at Colorado, and uh you had quite a uh, you know a, quite a spectacular football career, and and you were gonna play football for the Buffalo Bills, is that correct?
3: Yeah. I was drafted by the bills. I played free safety in college, which means I just got to sit back there about 12 yards deep back from the center and just go work, go wherever the ball goes. I mean, free safety is the best position in football. You never right. get blocked. You just uh, read the play and then run over there and hit somebody as hard as you can, which was what, <laughs> what I used to do. Uh, Try not to get beat deep on a pass, in which you always got to stay back for that. But then you just go and uh, go to the football. I was able to uh, intercept 16 balls during my career in three years. Wow. I'm still the uh, interception uh, leader at the University of Colorado. So it was fun. And then uh, I was drafted by the Buffalo Bills, but it was a later round. You know, D.A., I was, so I'm 5'11", 195 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I run, I run a 4.640, so that's not sprinter speed. It's not cornerback type of speed. Uh, it's good speed, but not great. So, I, you know, I was, I was a marginal football prospect and baseball, but I just, you know, I, I just went on my instincts and my desire and things like that where I was ahead of everybody else.
1: I can certainly relate to the instinct and desire because it's gotten me as far as I've gone, it's been basically on instinct yeah. and desire. So we're in the same, uh, we come, come from the same mold as far as that, as that's concerned, John. Um, I think Brian has a question for you. Yeah,
2: John, uh, just always fascinated by the two sport athlete at, at, a, at the collegiate level. Uh, you know, Deion Sanders, notwithstanding, cause I don't think he went to one class, but uh, do, you know, how did you balance, that that world of of just kind of rolling football season into b- baseball obviously there was a there was a uh, a gap there because you got you got basketball in between and uh I think it sounded like you're a little bit too short for that um <laughs> but uh so yeah. how, how did you how did you balance that uh you know with your studies and so forth I mean it was a different era I think in a lot of ways like yeah. um you know the big man on campus thing uh probably was was not as uh, prominent just because of the you know you, there was no Twitter there's no ESPN like doting over every uh, move and so forth just kind of talk to us a little bit about kind of that that world.
3: Well, it started out when I was being recruited. Our head coach Eddie Crowder was the head coach at Colorado. He was an All American quarterback at Oklahoma in the fifties. He was our head coach, and I had an agreement with him and the assistant coaches that were recruiting me. I told them that uh, I'm going to play baseball in the spring. You know, they have spring football in college football. So they agreed to to me playing baseball in the spring. And so uh, I was able to play four full years of baseball at Colorado and three in football. Football, freshmen weren't eligible back then. Now they're eligible. Right. So I was able to play – I started three years at free safety for Colorado and four years at catcher for the baseball team. And uh, Eddie, was, Eddie Crowder was true to his word. I didn't have to deal with football after the bowl game was over. We, we went to four straight bowl games. And once once we got back from the bowl games, one of them was on Christ, uh, New Year's Eve at the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl against Houston. With Robert Newhouse and Riley Odoms playing their last college game, I was a junior that year and we beat those oh, guys.
1: So you had to you had to bring a load to get to, to when you hit Robert Newhouse because he was a he was a big
3: powerful Robert Newhouse, fullback. He, he was one of the baddest dudes I ever lined up against. He wasn't. You
1: just
0: he said bad older, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he's the
3: bad dude. I'm no bad. I'm a good dude. He's the bad. dude. <laughs>
1: He would just trample over secondary oh. guys. Oh, it was ugly.
3: Yeah, I remember what This guy was—he played for the Dallas Cowboys for 12 he had, he, years. He was 230 pounds, four five forty, which is sprinter type speed. And when you hit him, he was so compact and down to the ground. But yeah, big yeah. and low strong. center of gravity.
0: He, yeah.
3: Oh my God, he was. He was unreal. The best back, I think. I mean, I, I played against Greg Pruitt and some other backs uh, in college, but he might have been the best back that I ever played against.
4: And then I Riley remember. Odom
3: was on that team. Riley wow. Odom played tight end, so I was like trying to talk trash to him the whole game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember Robert Newhouse had, had quadriceps like Earl Campbell. He was built. He was a shorter version of Earl Campbell
3: absolutely unbelievable how strong and how difficult it was to tackle him he was that close to the ground not being very tall but he was so strong so muscular and so quick on his feet uh he did have a great he had a great career with the cowboys in the nfl didn't he d.a yeah
2: Yeah. i think
3: he did i
2: I think he had a great
3: career with the cowboys
2: he had a great
1: career at the Cowboys, and, and, and interestingly enough, one of my uh, one of my one of my best friends uh, played with Robert Newhouse on the same Cowboy teams under uh, Coach Tom Landry, and a um, uh, gentleman named Monty Hunter. He was uh, actually a safety uh, for the 82-83 Cowboys, and um, so I believe that he, I'm pretty sure Robert Newhouse, I'm I'm, I'm positive he was on the same on, on some of the same teams with uh, with my buddy Monty, and uh, who lives out in Frisco now. And um and uh he he actually went to uh, Salem, Virginia and was drafted in the fourth round by the Cowboys and and uh Robert Newhouse was probably already on the team at that time because if you played with him in college he probably I guess he was probably yeah. drafted the same year as you uh, seventy one oh, he, he was
3: a year old, he was a year ahead of me and he was a high first round pick this guy was was a great athlete you know wow so and yeah. da so here's here's the thing about that. We played that game uh, at the end of my junior year in in football, and uh, about three years later, after getting drafted in baseball and on the Mets, I'm down there in the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl right where we played that game, and I'm, I'm sitting there behind home plate, and I look out, and Tom Seaver's on the mound, and I look up, and Cesar Cedeno is hitting, and I'm going... I was right here playing football against Houston, and now I'm catching against the against Caesar Cedeno and Seavers on the mound. I said, "Are you that's, kidding me?
2: Yeah, that's strange. That's gotta have been a weird, really weird feeling. Did you feel like you had been transported into an alternate universe? It's a question I have for you, sir. Oh my God!
3: I was thinking, you know, you know, all my life I thought I wanted to be a, you know, play ball someday. But to be standing there in the Astrodome in Houston, Texas, with a couple of events that like that that just happened with you, uh, to you within the last couple of years, it was uh, it was pretty incredible. I had to sit sit there behind I stood there behind home plate before the first pitch and was looking around and just I just thank God for the opportunity that He presented me.
1: You know? And it was, it was an amazing opportunity, but it was also, for, for somebody at that, that age, it's so much for you to have to take in and deal with. I mean, it's, it's got to be a little overwhelming. I mean, and especially the fact that the players that you that – you, you know, you, Cesar Sedania was a great player. Seaver, obviously, was oh one of the best pitchers that ever played in the game. So, I mean, you, you know, you, to be in that class and part of that – it's just gotta be something at that age. It's kind of mind blowing. I mean, you kind of really have to adjust and say, I'm, i I, belong here. Uh, I'm, I'm here for a reason and I belong here and I fit in. And, um, and obviously you did. Um, I know that we, we, I want to get into some, um, a little bit about what you had told me about, um, your, your first couple of years that, you know, you, you were obviously drafted, um, the second player in the first round. So you were, you were ready to play pro ball. And, um, uh yeah. you you were not playing because uh the Mets had a had a you know had had a very you know had a, had a catcher that had been there a long time Jerry Grody and yeah. uh and the manager yeah. of the Mets was at the time uh was Yogi right and uh and yeah. they wanted yeah. they wanted to they wanted Grody to to play his career out and uh but you yeah, you were ready to go and unfortunately for you you had to sit and wait your turn to play but you
3: well, should have yeah, you should have played i should never have been there that year because I was a young rookie that needed to play. And you don't right. do that to, a, to a, a guy that's 23 years old right. in his first year in the big league. You don't sit him on the bench like that. So right. I suffered a couple of years because I should have been down playing in AAA that year. If they were going to go yeah. with Brody, I should have been right. catching every day in Tidewater.
2: Yeah, yeah but John. They decided... Yeah, go ahead. yeah no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. They decided... No, but I
3: mean, that year I sat on the bench, and I, I lived in Manhattan. I learned New York. Uh, I rode the subway out to Shea Stadium. It was fun with all of that, but uh, I had to go to the minor leagues later on because of that year because uh, I just wasted that year, and I needed right. that year. I needed the experience of sure. catching 100 straight games at the tidewater at at triple a to get me over the hump to be ready to catch every day in the big league absolutely so yeah i had i actually had to go down the next year i had they were doing the same thing they had me up there again as the backup catcher and finally on june 1st after sitting on the bench for two months i'm 23 years old i went to them and i said i asked to be sent down to triple a to to tidewater so i could play and uh That was the key to my career. I went down to Tidewater that year. It was 1976. I played every game down there. I hit 320 or something like that. And when I came back up, they had to put me in there. And on September 1st, when they expand the rosters of 1976, I came up and I was the number one catcher.
1: I got to tell you something, John, just a comment on, on, on you, Asking to be sent down, how commendable that is, and how unusual it is in today's game. I don't think you'd ever hear a player saying, "Please send me down to the minor leagues so I can play." Players just want to be in the show. You know, that's the mentality, True. and they don't think in terms of preparing themselves, getting to be the best player they can be before they're, they're sent to the minors. But I, I don't know if I've ever heard of another situation where a player asked to go to the minors to hone his skills so they can get playing time. It's just
3: unusual and. Well, I know- uh, DA, it was obviously knew, the right I thing. It, I knew I could be a number one catcher and an all star, and I just knew that. I mean, you got to believe. See, success is all about believing in yourself. No matter what you know, no matter what your task is, if you believe it, then you have a chance to do it. So, I, I knew that I could be a number one catcher in the majors and that I had to get down, though, to AAA to prove to these people what kind of a baseball player I was, because I was coming in and playing one game a week out of the bullpen, and I couldn't get anything going. These guys are good pitchers, man. I'd never been up there before. So it was hard for me, and finally I had enough after a year and a half of sitting on the bench and catching in the bullpen. I just went in one night to the – uh, manager and i called the general manager down so i got yogi and joe mcdonald together in the same room and i said hey guys you got to send me out of here and let me play down at tidewater and i'll show you what we got here but i can't do it if you sit me up here in the bullpen and play me once a week i can't do that
2: so uh john I, I yeah john i i echo uh da's comments that That was that was obviously a very commendable thing. And and my, how times have changed. Because I got to tell you, you know, I look at this kid that they just drafted out of Auburn a couple days ago, uh, number one pick in the draft. You know what they're going to do with them? They're going to dump them at Double A, maybe. And so it's it's. I mean, no, but the, the thing is, is that anymore, I think some of this stuff they've learned over the years, like you can't just. I mean, yeah. There's the Alex Rodriguez of the world out there. There's the uh, Ken Griffey Jr. 19. You know, drop him in. You know, yep. Francisco Lindor. Yep. You could make a case for. Uh, you know, he he. But he but Francisco. You know, Frankie Lindor still spent a good year and a half in the minors, and and they Absolutely. didn't dump him. In, in, yeah, in AAA right out of the gate. So it's kind of a a, a feast or famine situation when it comes to. You know, back in the day, it was like you know, high-profile draft picks that are that are you know, and and I know you were drafted just ahead of Robin Yount, from what I recall, and you know, and yeah, Dave Winfield for crying out Dave loud, Winfield. yeah, yeah, I mean Dave Winfield was drafted, yeah.
3: So I went in that draft that year, 1973. I was the second player picked in the first round. The third player picked was Robin Yount, and the fourth player picked was Dave Winfield. So, obviously, the Phillies made a mistake there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we read
1: your comment yeah. about, I think the person who made that decision is now working as a janitor somewhere around the country.
3: <laughs> Something like that, well, yeah, they, well, yeah. They must have got rid of him. But uh, also in that draft, in the first ten picks, Fred Lynn was the seventh pick in that draft. Wow. So You know, I, I, I what a was, draft uh, the second it was a great draft, yeah. I was the second pick. I should have been the fourth pick, actually. And it should have been Yount, Winfield, and Freddie Lynn. You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, you know, that's – that's that's.
3: To, it,
2: I, yeah, I mean, we're, we're splitting hairs yeah, here, splitting hairs. but, but it, to, to, to some degree
3: – Listen, I also think – I'm not sure about this, but Eddie Murray might have gone in that oh, draft. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Cool, yeah.
2: three. He's a 3,000 3, 3,
3: hitter. Oh, my God. He, he would have been out of high school, though. But, I mean, still – We had a lot of guys come out of that 73 draft that played in the big leagues. And luckily I was able to attend. uh, I was invited to play in four all-star games. And I ran into all of those guys during those all-star game uh, weekends, you know, and uh, it was great to uh, get to know people there. I I just had an amazing, uh, uh, lucky career to have been able to go to New York City from Denver, Colorado, look at the tall buildings in amazement, ride the subway out to Shea Stadium, get in the lineup and start playing, and playing big league baseball. It was just an incredible run for me, and I'm so thankful that uh, things worked out the way that they did.
2: Well,
1: there's no question that, that that New York is thankful that they they were lucky enough to have you on their team, on um, the, the Mets to have you for uh, for 11 seasons, and uh, and I'm 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 very glad that that I've met you and, and we've become friends, and your stories are amazing. We um, we do have a
2: caller. We have a caller. Um, oh, got Johnny, a call. you ready?
3: Good.
2: Yeah, you want to? Are you ready to take a yeah. call? And say hello. Yeah, and actually we yeah, we've been uh, remiss. We yeah, John, we've been a little bit remiss here. We're so excited to have you that we forgot to announce the call in number. But, yeah. but they're starting to <laughs> trickle did. in. Uh, I think there's just some long time. Yeah, there's some long time fans. So nine four. Nine four. Oh, you got some bad handwriting. I son. do. I All do. right, six four. I should have this memorized by now. Anyway, six four six 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 eight eight four nine four. That's six four six 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 eight. 8494, and I think we're going to go out to uh, a local guy here. It sounds like New York City, that old 213 area code creeping in. Hello, caller, are you there? Ah, yeah, welcome.
0: Hello, all
2: right, we're going to have to, we'll get him on a better line. We'll get somebody else in. I think he's out on a boat, uh, maybe in Hades. Uh, I think 213 was California, yeah, you got you. is it a- not?
3: eight. D- yeah. most incredible thing about my rookie year. And again, I shouldn't have been, there. I should have been playing down. And I was 22 years old. I come to New York for the first time. I'm living in Manhattan. I'm taking the subway out to the ballpark and Tom Seaver went 22 and nine that year in 1979, excuse me, in 1975. And mm-hmm. I believe he won the Cy Young that year, but amazingly, he didn't mind pitching to me. So when I did catch, which was about once a week, a lot of times it was Tom Seaver. And he, I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting there. I'm a rookie. I'm I just a, two years out of college, and I'm catching Tom Seaver. And he's not shaking me off. He's, <laughs> I went games where he, he, he never shook me off, and he would beat the other team. I mean, I, he went with me completely. I was shocked. Because by that time, he was a three-time Cy Young Award winner. And we really hit it off well together. And and he, I just want to take my hat off to Tom Seaver as being one of the greatest, not only baseball players, but just a great human being, you know, to to be around. And he he took care of me kind of on on my rookie season, you know.
1: You were, were, uh, for all intents and purposes, you were his personal catcher. Well, when he, he pitched, seemed he that
3: way. It was surprising. He must have gone to the, the staff and said, look, I don't mind throwing to Stearns. You know, if you have to play him once in a while, you, you know, put him in there with me. And uh, when I did, it worked. We worked well together. And, and, you know, he won. And then he went ahead and, and won the Cy Young that year. And uh, it was just really uh, that's one thing that held me together when I was a rookie there is, was, was being able to catch Tom Seaver
5: that many times.
1: Well, John, isn't it, isn't it true that, that you know, some pitchers, you know, some, some catchers just present a, a really uh, pleasant or you know, a, a really good target for a certain pitcher, and the pitcher just likes the target that the catcher puts up and feels comfortable pitching to that catcher's target. And that's just, it's as simple as that. And maybe he just liked the, the placement of your glove and the position of, you know, of, of where it was and, and made it easier for him to throw strikes.
2: That's starting to sound a little uh, sexy,
1: D.A., <laughs> well, I, well, I didn't, well, 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 we—that's another whole. John's sex ex, exploits in New York City when he was a, when he was a player are, is a whole nother story. We get into that later if John's willing to like divulge some of that. We are, we I are already on know. The internet,
2: s- we are on the internet. I I already know some of those stories, but
0: well, let's, let's keep
2: it family friendly to, tonight. <laughs> but uh, but certainly to, to DA's point, I mean, I think it's always fascinating kind of that battery you know it's called a battery for a reason and uh i i've i've just always been fascinated at, at higher levels of baseball just how, how there's kind of almost an unspoken in some in some cases almost a spiritual connection between uh between the the the, the guy heaving it and the guy uh and the guy receiving responsible it. for receiving it
3: yeah it was a, we had a little connection going there in fact Tom really helped me through those early years because he didn't get traded. Remember when we traded him to the Cincinnati Reds? That was in seventy-seven. Yeah, so horrible. I was able a couple of years. And you know, the reason he got traded was because uh, the people running our team they didn't get it about the money. They thought that a hundred thousand dollars, which was what he was making then, and that was the high that was the high point in baseball salaries way back in nineteen seventy-six. A hundred thousand dollars? Are you kidding me? That was I know. nothing. But now the rookie salary minimum is 600000 But anyway, they, they traded Tom Seaver because they thought he was making too much money. So,
1: I mean, you know, we traded him.
3: For George we Foster. To, well, he was George and a couple of other guys like Dave, Steve Henderson, George right, right, Foster, right. and then two minor leaguers that didn't make it. So, we, you know, we've, we got a few things. But, I mean, George didn't hit like he did. Excuse me. No, George he didn't. George wasn't in that season. I don't think he was in that siever trade. I think he came later. But uh, oh, well, I uh, he was he? We got four trade. Okay. No, I think we got we got Doug Flynn.
1: We yes, you're right. Henderson. That's right. Yep.
3: Doug we Flynn. We got Steve Steve, Hender- Steve Henderson. Right. Doug Flynn. Dan Norman, a, a guy that mm-hmm. didn't make it. Dan Norman, right? Yeah. And then there was and Pat Zachary.
1: Yeah, and he was I, well. Pat, Pat Zachary, Zachary was probably the he was the big the big the big player the big name player yeah. in that trade it was Pat Zachary, right?
3: Well, he was a young starting pitcher. You know, he was okay. Pat was okay. Pitched a couple of years for the Mets, but when you give up a Tom Seaver, the best pitcher in baseball, you got to get a young. Oh, I guy agree. That's I, I, a star yeah. Player. I, I just a, think at least a star player.
1: And I think Pat Zachary really was be. No, you didn't. We
2: didn't get that. But I think Pat you Zachary didn't get was a
3: star player.
2: No. No. Trading <laughs> dollars for dimes. I think, but I think yeah, Zachary we, we was good.
3: Doug Flynn was okay. Doug Flynn was, right. a, he was a good infielder. He was an established uh, player, you know, somewhat. Yeah. Doug Flynn, Pat Zachary, Dan Norman didn't make it. And the other guy was, uh, who did I say it was? There was one more guy. Um,
1: Zachary Flynn, uh, Dan Norman, and who was the other uh, player? Steve
3: Henderson. Steve, Steve Henderson. Henderson. And Steve I remember all of them. His first he had a great year, his first year, but then after that, he trickled off. You know, I I, didn't, I, I don't understand it, but well, we
2: really it, didn't it, get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it reminds me of the old uh, what was the rookie uh, boy for the Indians that he was rookie of the year. Uh, oh, for crying out loud! He hit like three twenty, and uh, you know had twenty home runs, yeah. and you he never heard... Joe Charbonneau. You never heard from him again. Yeah. No, you don't hear from him again. By, by the way, John,
1: if you haven't noticed, uh, Brian is a Cleveland Indians fan if if that hasn't not become apparent by now,
3: <laughs>
2: I've got real well, I've got real problems.
3: Brian, if you're a Cleveland yeah. Indians fan, that must mean that you're going to be watching the NBA Finals tonight. Yes,
2: he is. I, I absolutely am, and i'm I, I don't even know. I, I'm so nervous right now. Uh, and it's not because I'm talking to you for crying out loud. It's I just, you know, if it if it takes a turn for the worse tonight, you, you may find me walking through uh, Times Square uh, without any clothes on. So I, uh,
3: I, I can't want to, yeah. I can't believe that uh, J.R. Smith didn't know oh. what the score was.
0: He <laughs> yeah, could have
3: put, uh... put the ball right back in the basket when he got that <laughs> rebound there. And... It, it would be one one right now.
1: John, there there's some stuff on the internet since that uh, has occurred. Some of the funniest little memes that people yeah. have made up about J, like J.r. Smith running out of the out of the arena and then running past the liquor store with
2: the ball. just keep he just keeps running. There's some real funny oh, stuff. Yeah. People are very creative. It's, people have too many too oh, much time on their hands.
3: Did I make a mistake there? Is it three0 already?
2: No, it's 2-0. It's 2-0. It's 2-0. Okay. But j- but, okay. yeah, yeah,
3: 2-0. It's 2-0. They're going tonight, and they got to play in, in uh, San Francisco. It, th- yeah, no, it's
2: no, night. it's in Cleveland tonight. It's, it's in Cleveland. Night. Night. Yes, am I sure. Okay, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, tonight.
3: Uh, this, this is a must-win game. I'm an NBA yeah. fan. I've got, <laughs> in every, in every got sense of the word. word. I got season tickets to the Denver Nuggets here in Denver. We never get to the – Playoffs. We didn't get there this year. We missed by a game. We wow. have some good young players that could develop into into. We got Gallinari.
2: Yeah, you guys. Yeah, and Denver's a fan, fantastic uh, look. I, I uh, you know, first of all, I love Denver, Colorado. I'm, I'm I, I feel blessed for you to that you're living there. For crying out loud, and uh, the the uh, the Denver Nuggets. I mean, just a fun. Uh, Fan base, just a great uh, a, a great entertainment dollar to go to those games, and um, you know certainly uh, I think it's uh, you, you, obviously it sounds like you're a, a big you know NBA fan to some degree, and uh, yeah. for crying out loud, let's all let's all uh, burn some sage here in the next couple of minutes, uh, e- e- exercise the demons and and get a win tonight for the Cleveland Cavaliers, but that's that's I that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We Thank you, John, for. for
3: um, we, um, so we get this yeah, series to seven
2: series. We do, we do. And John, I got to tell you, we got another caller here from the 980 area code. Do, do we know? Can you rattle off the top of your head, DA, I, what a 980 is? Uh,
4: Alaska. Okay. I know, I no, I have, I have no, have idea. Could have a caller
2: from Alaska. Let's see who it is,
4: real quick. Uh, hi, caller, you're on the air. Who are you and where hey, are you calling hey, from? Hey, Brian. Hey, DA. Hi, John. How's it going? How, how, you doing? how are you? Who Good. do we have here? Yeah, so I just got back. This is Todd here from Charlotte. Uh, I just got back from my mountain bike ride, and I need that nutty buddy from Mark Latoll. <laughs> oh, he was out there. You remember well. Mark was on a few weeks ago. We we out
1: we, there. we remember having Mark on. We we may we may be getting a call from Mark at some point. So um, right. stay tuned. If 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 Mark Mark's call uh, comes through, we're going to connect him, and because uh, I I wanted to have Mark. Uh, chat with John for a little bit because I think there's a possibility that uh, that John faced Mark uh, at a game when Mark was with the St. Louis Cardinals and came into Shea Stadium uh, a number of times uh, when John was with the Mets. So we're gonna we're gonna see if we can pair them up and see if they can have any any memories of uh... see
2: if there's a love connection. Uh, Todd, uh, wh- right. what do you got here tonight for John Stearns? Well,
4: I like when you guys have these interviews with these baseball players because I I grew up in Florida where. You know, I grew up with uh, Jimmy Houston and Bill Dance fishing and Ranger Bass Boats, and then on the weekends it was it was Dusty Rose. So unlike you you guys up in the, the northeast where you had baseball, you know, was kind of a way of life, you know, we had fishing. So it's great to hear, you know, whether it's Mark or John, you know, talk about these baseball stories. So I played, uh, I played Little League, and I was catcher, and I was good at two things. Uh, I was good at overthrowing second base and blocking the plate. Um, And I listened to the interview back in the fall. So that's a great interview for everyone out there to go, you know, John, you were on with, uh, you know, Donna and DA. And one of the stories you had there was with um, Dave Parker. And uh, it's a block in the plate story. So could you share that again? (laughs)
0: Uh,
3: Yeah, I mean, I I can share it. Uh, I was just uh – a young guy in the league, uh, I think it was 1977 or something like that. I was, I had about two years in the big leagues, and I was finally the number one catcher for the Mets. And we were playing Pittsburgh, at Pittsburgh, at AstroTurf. And uh, with two outs in the bottom of the ninth, we had a one-run lead over the Pirates. And Dave Parker was on third base with one out, bottom of the ninth at Pittsburgh. And uh, we had Joel Youngblood in right field. Joel, got, Joel had a real good arm. And the guy, so Parker's the tying run at third. It's the bottom of the ninth. And the, the hitter was Rennie Stennett, I believe. I think he flew out to right field. It was kind of a, not a real shallow hit, but it was uh, a fly ball out to Joel Youngblood. So I, I get, I'm getting set up, and I'm going, holy shit, here we go. Parker's going to tag up at third, and here comes the throw. And Youngblood threw a one-hopper right to me. It, it drew me about two feet off the plate on the first base side to catch it. And then I caught it and dove on the plate, you know, thinking I was going to tag Parker. He's probably in a slide. And I dove onto the plate on my knees with the glove down in front of me, and looked up the third baseline, and he was about three feet away from me going full speed, and he was zeroed in on just knocking the crap out of me. So there was a big collision. I ended up off the – it was an astroturf field, but there was a big circle for the home plate area and dirt. I was clear off of the dirt area. when I And back on my back after he hit me, and I was able to hold on to the ball, and we tagged him out. The game was over, and I'm looking up at Parker, and he's holding his cheek going, oh, like this. So he ended up breaking a cheekbone. He must have put it right on my head or something. And the game was over. We won the game, and Parker came up with a broken jaw. Oh,
5: oh my God. Wow. That's a good story. Um, yeah. It was
3: pretty amazing. I guess it so, just that went around the league because Parker was the biggest, baddest dude in baseball back then. He was 6'5", 240 pounds, and fast. And this was early in his career. He was he was the best player in baseball. There wasn't any question about that. It ended up not being that way at the end. He put on weight and everything. But his first couple of years, he was like this. He was a monster. So. You know, I mean, it, it, it was good for me because uh, word went around that uh, I tagged Parker out to plate, and uh, he came up with a broken jaw, and I came out clean on it. So, I mean, that must have sounded pretty sexy if you weren't there watching it, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, he he also, uh, John, if I remember correctly, you told me that. Uh, he had taken a couple of guys out earlier that year so you were kind of ready yeah. you were waiting for him you were ready you were aware of that you knew about it and uh and you you you, you kind of had him teed up for when he was coming
3: well he had a he had a reputation of hurting catchers he had he put like two catchers on the DL that year so right. uh actually everybody was getting kind of mad about it but uh so but I didn't think about that because the game was on the line and I had to get the tag on Parker, so I didn't have time to look at him. I just caught the ball, dove on the plate, and boom, he was there and we had a huge collision and I was able to hold on to the ball and then Parker was lying on the ground holding his cheek and moaning. So that was pretty cool, you know?
2: <laughs> John, say, yeah, John, safe to say that was the biggest collision of your career. I mean, you when you're standing there uh, guarding the Pentagon – is it uh, is it is it safe to say that was probably the biggest, or, or do you have do you have another one that that equals that, or, or maybe exceeds it?
3: No, that was the that was the biggest collision that I had to endure. Uh, there just wasn't any time to get myself ready to you know take the hit because I, I caught that ball and had to dive on the plate because the game was right on the line on that single play, and I was lucky that I was able to. Get myself in a position where You know he didn't hurt me and uh, and So it worked out good you know he was Okay he actually took About a day maybe I don't even know if he Missed the next game but re- remember He had that big remember when Parker had That big mask type Of thing built into his Batting helmet so for a couple yeah. Of weeks he wore this big scary Masky looking thing that was Protecting his cheek
2: And he probably hit about 420 during that Period
3: <laughs> oh, at least he was like he was in another world at that time. You know, at the at the end of his career, he 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 flattened off. But when when Dave Parker was in his twenties, he was he was the he was probably the best player in baseball, along with Winfield he, and a couple of other guys. You know,
1: Eiffel from right field. Um oh,
4: yeah yes. He had. You're talking a re- question. Oh, sorry, DA. Go ahead.
1: No, no, it, uh, it's okay. We have uh, we have we have another caller. Just uh, t- Todd, go ahead. What was your, what was your question?
4: Uh, my other question was, um, John, you talked about you know some pitchers would you know put things in their caps and uh, or, or Gaylord Perry in particular. That was one that came up. Yeah. Have you ever had yeah. like that you know, would change the way the ball? Did, have you ever been behind the plate and uh, one of your pitchers, you could see the ball was acting really strange. Did that ever happen? No, I never had – you... we
3: never had a guy – we never had a spitballer that I caught
4: in the majors.
3: And usually okay. I didn't see too many of those type of guys, but, yes, Gaylord Perry was the one guy that, that did that. And for some reason, you could see, he would pile Vaseline on the top of his <laughs> forehead underneath the bill of his cap. <laughs> you could see it. You could see it. And you could see it, and the stupid umpires back then, I hope they're not listening, they, they didn't They didn't call him. They didn't call him on it. He used to come up to the bat, and he had all of this greasy Vaseline stuff all over the back of his neck. And I'd go to the umpire and go, are you, are you looking at that? You see what he's got there? You know what he's doing. Why don't you guys ever call anything? And, you know, they never called him on it. He, they just let him get away with Spitter after spitter, you
2: know. <laughs> I mean, spitter is the baseline, understatement. Yeah,
3: That's a, it's a petrol. It's a petroleum ball. Oh man, he was That's throwing the crit. petroleum ball up there, man.
2: I'm telling. Well, but I can't. Well, and, and obviously now I'm going to hearken back. Uh, the movie Major Leagues made a, a real nice uh, mockery out of that with the, uh, with the one gentleman, I can't remember the actor's name, but you know, there's that scene where he's like, oh, I'll get a little spit
4: Beverly on Tosser. the bug. Yeah. 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 Uh, Todd, Trevor thank Tosser. you so much. All right. Yeah. Todd. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks, John. Th- thank thank you, yeah, Todd. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Well, hey, great stories all around. Uh, We're still uh, looking. I know we've got a couple people queued up. 646-668-8494. I'm going to enunciate that again. 646-668-8494. Call in and talk to John Stearns tonight. Just a uh, a barrel of fun, if I I were to say. And while we're waiting for our
1: next caller, I just uh, wanted to – ask John for my own personal information and for our listeners. Uh, John, what are you, I mean, I, I, I know that you're doing a lot of ga- uh, charity golf outings um, these days. Are you, I, I, I don't remember if you've mentioned to me if you're doing anything with uh, the baseball fantasy camps anymore. you still involved in that? Um,
3: yeah, I what's, go to the uh, Mets fantasy camp every year. I'm in the Mets fantasy do. camp every year in January down in Port St. Lucie. We have uh-huh. two groups that come in, 100 guys per week and uh, everybody has a great time down there. There's about 20 or 30 ex-players that are on the staff down there. And we run, uh, we run a, a great fantasy camp. Uh, there's always a championship game, and then there's the game against the pros. Each team gets to play the pros in a three-inning game. And uh, it, it's a lot of fun. That, that camp is usually in January, and you can get information on it through the Mets front office. Uh, and we usually have uh, two groups of a hundred or more players come in every year for one week each. And uh, I mean, the food you get is, is outstanding. The locker room is right there at the stadium in Port St. Lucie. It's over on the minor league side. They have a great big lunch room. The food is excellent. Uh, it's really a tremendous. Uh, sounds like fun. Thing that everybody does. So uh, yeah, we we. Uh, we have a good time with that every year and it's in January and the Mets, you can get a, the info on it through the Mets front office right now.
0: Yeah.
2: And that's what I was just going to ask you was if, if you got a, uh, if you got a link or something, but it sounds like uh, obviously the Mets website probably is, is advertising yeah. that. And always I've had yeah. a, you know, one, of, yeah, one of my buddy's friends did the, uh, did the Cincinnati red Legs, uh, uh uh a fantasy camp probably about 10 years ago or so and just had an absolute blast a lot of the teams are doing it the mets you can't miss out on it guys go out to the website check it out uh join it and obviously you go down there and you're gonna you're gonna be able to see the legendary john stearns we got uh we got another caller here uh tonight we're gonna bring him on uh i think this is out of cleveland ohio uh phil are you there
5: Yes, I'm here. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, calling in from Cleveland, uh, although uh, I was a lifelong uh, Cincinnati Reds fan, I just wanted to get John's uh, perspective uh, when you were playing in the league uh, in terms of uh, best catchers. Uh, would you put Bench up there at the top, or, or how would you rate him versus some of the other guys you see? Sounds very with? biased.
2: Sounds very biased,
5: Phil,
0: but go, go ahead, John. <laughs>
3: Well, w- without a doubt, there's two catchers that stand out above everybody. But Johnny Bench is number one, and the other guy is number two. But Johnny Bench, the best catcher I've ever saw, and, I, and the second best catcher was Ivan Rodriguez. Uh, oh, but as far as catching, Johnny Bench had the softest hands, the quickest feet, and the best arm I've ever seen. And he would just sit back there and – he would catch the ball so easily, and he could get a strike call out of a marginal pitch. And if you ran on him, you better get a big jump, because he had the, he had the best arm I've seen. He just, The pitcher had to get out of the way, or he's going to get drilled on Johnny Bench's throw to second base. So, you know, and then on top of that, didn't Johnny hit, like, almost
5: 400
3: career home runs?
5: I mean yeah, I think it, uh, yeah, one point in time I think he had the record for most home runs by a catcher that I think that passed by by somebody else, but yeah. Von Rodriguez. Johnny,
2: Johnny, yeah, it was uh, either, yeah, it was either Rodriguez or uh, uh the guy that played out in LA, um Piazza. Piazza maybe. Yeager. He had a lot. Jaeger, Jaeger. No, Jaeger
3: right. no, was no, Jaeger yeah. was just a good yeah. defensive catcher. But, uh, guys, Johnny Bench was the best I've ever seen. uh, And, uh, you know, and then, of course, you had Yvonne Rodriguez. They're both Hall of Famers. uh, And I was just uh, lucky that I was able to. You know, I never played catcher growing up. I was uh, 18 years old before I even put on any gear. And so, for me, I was just kind of a starting out type of catcher to some of these guys. And by the time I got to the big leagues, uh, uh, it was, it was surprising that I, I could watch Johnny Bench do things. He was so comfortable, so quick feet back
5: there and the best arm I think I've ever seen out of a catcher, Johnny Bench. Yeah. Wow. Amazingly. I think he was, uh, he was 19 years old when he made his uh, major league debut. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. Amazing. Oh, he was Without yeah. a doubt,
3: the softest hands, he just, just had it all. He was, his feet were – he couldn't run fast, but he, his feet were like cat-quick behind the plate. When he was moving to block a ball or something, he was so quick on his feet back there that it was incredible. I just watched him and said, yeah. holy cow, because he, he was, you know, he was an idol of
2: mine, you know. Thanks for your I, input, John. I, yeah, and, and Phil, thanks for calling in. Uh, uh, just one last quick – uh, Johnny uh, quip is that there's this old wives' tale that 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 he had just like a bear claw of a hand that it could hold like 45 baseballs in in, in his left hand. Huge hands, huge hands.
3: Really? He was
1: just, I
2: wasn't
0: aware of that.
3: Built to be built to be a catcher, and the biggest. Yeah. Thing so his about hand it was his quickness, feet. His feet were so quick because a catcher needs extremely fast feet. Quick feet he wasn't a fast runner, but he was so quick with his feet behind the base the plate that he was in front of everything, everything was soft. he caught the ball it was a soft catch when he when he blocked the ball, it hit off him softly and didn 't bounce away from him he just he just had it all going on back there as a catcher
1: wow. so his hand was like a catcher's mitt without the mitt yeah. on it
0: yeah.
1: and, and his and Are his body his body absorbed the balls like a bat that's bunting the ball when <laughs> you just kind of softly he let the ball.
3: Need... Da, he didn't even need to wear a glove. He was he was so good, man.
2: <laughs> wow,
1: he,
3: he caught that ball so soft it was unreal.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's amazing. And, and again, thanks for the call. Yes, yeah,
3: his... uh, uh, yeah, thank
1: you, caller. We his... appreciate that. Yeah, John.
3: I had his I had his baseball card when I was younger, and so. I stood in the box against him for the first time. I looked back at him and said, Johnny Bench, I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> I should I should have brought your card with me for
1: you
2: to sign it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know it, I know, yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
2: you could have rode your tricycle in with the with the card uh in in the spokes and uh and handed it to him uh, you know, between innings. Uh that that's a silly joke. Uh, so, Hey, at any rate again, 646-668-8494 Call in, talk to John Stearns. Uh, Go ahead. we are, we're waiting for another call, right. but I don't, I, 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 I don't see the call.
3: I got a question. Sure. Guys. I got, yeah. I got a question. All right. So I'm out in Denver, right? So I'm trying to watch major league baseball a lot and you know I read the paper every day and everything. So I'm watching the Yankees. They've got a great team this year and, uh, you know, over the last I know, I know days, where this is
0: going.
3: Over the last two or three days, I'm I'm trying to figure this out. Why is Stanton or Judge getting second in the lineup? Now the other day, now let me before you answer, let me just tell you something. Times in a doubleheader on Monday, just this last Monday. Today is what Wednesday. On Monday, Judge hitting second for the Yankees in a doubleheader. Struck out eight times. All right? hit yeah. the second in the lineup, Judge. And then I'm looking at another box score in a Denver paper here. And then in another game, which was Tuesday, the day after that, because they took Judge out, they gave him a day off because he struck out eight times in a doubleheader, hitting in the two-hole. Are you kidding me? Now, well, so you know who they hit in the two-hole the next day that Judge sat out in? Stanton. It's Stanton, <laughs> a great big Monster Stanton, who's typically a four-hole hitter, isn't he? Yeah,
5: Stanton's
3: four or five, I think. Hitter, yeah, well, doesn't he hit like 30 or 40 a year?
1: Yeah, he does. He does. With Miami, he yeah. did. With Florida, he did. Yeah.
3: And Judge is the other guy. Judge, is, why are they hitting? Why is Aaron Boone, who I love, by the because... way, no, I hope Aaron's not listening to this, but I'm, I'm going, why is Stanton and Judge, he's got those guys in the 2 hole why, lady, who, as, why is Stanton hitting in the two John, hole?
1: as i as yeah. i mentioned last night in our conversation they they want to go lefty righty lefty righty gardner lefty judge righty right gregorius, gregorius
0: lefty gregorius lefty, lefty,
3: sta-
1: gregorius, lefty, gregorius, lefty stanton righty
3: they can't find so they can't find a right hand hitter on the rest of their team that can hit in the two hole because Stanton and Judge should be hitting, you know, I guess, Aaron, he wants to go righty-lefty all the way down through the lineup. Is that correct? They want to
1: do that. They want to go starting with Gardner-lefty. They want to go lefty-righty-lefty-righty lefty, righty, all the way through the lineup.
3: That's so weird. I understand. <laughs> but I, just, I don't that's see That's the it. reason. I don't, that's,
1: you but I, I, got, I don't you disagree.
3: You've got two guys that are going to hit 80 home runs together and yes. drive in 240 runs. And you mm-hmm. got one of them every night hitting in the two-hole.
1: But, but their lineup is pretty stacked, John. And you've got, you've got guys that can drive the ball throughout the lineup. This is Andujar, the third baseman. Uh, they've, got, they've got young players that can all hit home runs. They've got a really awesome. deep lineup. They've got they a deep lineup. And they're hard. doing something right. They're, 20, they're 21 games over 500, John. They're doing something right. Well, that's
3: why you can't say anything to Aaron Boone about it. Because when you're winning... So, obviously, That's right. they, have, they have the best lineup, you know. But if, oh, yeah. I, 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 I love Aaron Boone. Don't get me wrong. Arguably. Aaron, but what, what if you were hitting Judge and Stanton, like, three and five in the lineup with a good left-handed well, hitter in between?
1: Well, and, like I said last night, know, Aaron, I, 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 I agreed. I, I said to you last night, I think that in my, in my humble opinion, I think the guy that drives in your runs should be in the five hole your, your run producer should be in the five hole. Um, I think your best hitter is your, your best average hitter should be your three hitter, your your three hole right. hitter, and your and your and your and your and your run run producer should be five. But you know uh, maybe maybe when, when the playoffs come around, John, maybe maybe Aaron Boone will. I, I guess if, if it ain't broke, they're not gonna you know, try to fix it. But maybe in the playoffs. When they're facing, you know, better competition or different pitchers, yeah. they're going to rearrange the lineup, you know, to accommodate that whatever situation occurs. But right now, it is yeah. definitely working for them. It's working.
3: I know. I know. They have the best, second best record in baseball. They're a half game behind. Uh, somebody just went ahead of them. Who is it? Uh, Stros. I'm looking right. Boston. Boston.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is
1: amazing because, uh, I mean. Uh, the Yankees are playing so well, and they're still a half a game behind the Red Sox. That's unbelievable. They still they have Chuck, second
3: best record in baseball, so they they have a really good record, and they're doing very well. So and the thing is, though, Judge, uh, two days ago, Judge hitting in the two hole in a double header was zero for nine with eight strikeouts.
1: Well, hold After on a second two, now. Did you read that? Did you read that in a Denver, Colorado paper?
3: New no, paper? I'm looking at the box scores. I'm looking at the okay. box scores right now in the paper.
1: Okay, but it, was, a De- it was, a De- was it a Denver, Colorado newspaper? Because the elevations in Denver, everything is higher, so the elevations of those numbers of the strikeouts might be
2: elevated. No, no, no. that's no, <laughs> ridiculous.
3: I'm looking at the box scores right now. They played the Tigers <laughs> in a doubleheader. They played the Tigers Monday in a doubleheader. The Yankees yes. won the first game 7-4. to four. The Tigers then won the second game 4-2 to two over the Yankees. Judge hit second in both games. In the first game, he went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. In the second game, he was 0 for 5 with five strikeouts. Yesterday, he didn't play, so Boone probably benched him after striking out. Oh yeah, absolutely definitely did. Yeah, give him a rest, give him a mental rest, and get him. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And you would have done the same thing.
3: All right, all right, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not yelling at Aaron Boone. I'm just—I've never seen a big monster power hitting type of dude that strikes out a lot, which most big monster hitters do. I've never seen them hit in the two hole. So you know, I don't so, know what. So you—you you, gonna tell me that left right left right is more important than uh, having a big strong guy hit three four five in your lineup?
2: Eight. Uh, uh John, I, I gotta tell you, you know from an outsider's perspective, and this is certainly uh, I, I, I'm not I don't have any bias because the tribe has their own problems right now with their bullpen. Uh, and I could have a, I could host a four day show just on that alone. That my My theory here is you know it's early in the season. Aaron Boone or Aaron Boone, good grief. Uh, Judge has exhibited uh, lapses in bat judgment. You know, he did it last year. He went into a big slump. It's amazing. Like, I mean, his numbers, he, he, it's like feast or famine, again, to use that phrase with him. And it oh, could be that Boone, yeah, it could be that Boone is just trying to, you know, early you know, in the season. We're, we're, just, we're just trying to, we're, right. you know, right. we want right. to figure out the lineup. We got we can play with some things. We know we have a sick Sick lineup that's probably going to go deep Into October, or you know, at least late September. I you hope they lose gonna, in October. Oh, you're
3: going to win! So oh, the Yankees should win the win the World Series this year. Right, right. So
2: the they doubt. can afford they the this. Team. Right, they can afford yeah, they can this af- kind of crap. So they can afford I,
3: to try it. You're right. You're right. And that's why it's happening.
2: I think that
1: the reason they have I, the best team is because they they have they have a very very strong bullpen. The Red Sox have a good lineup. I don't think they have the bullpen that the Yankees have the Yankees can you know they have they have a, a, a right. 7 8 and 9 inning guy that are all really solid that all could close on a lot of other major league teams there's seven but you know what's and good eight about eight
3: it yeah. you know Fred, what's Fred, good about it guys is that in the American League East you have the two best play, uh, teams in baseball Boston and yeah. New York they've right. been rivals for years for forever
0: years.
3: <laughs> now, yep. here we got here in 2018, we've got these two teams running out way above everybody else and it's going to be a battle down to the wire. So isn't that exciting about baseball? It is. I, think it, I is. It. it is.
2: It is. And it's I hope they the beat It's great for the cities. I hope they beat the shit out of each other and whoever comes to play the yeah. Indians is limp is limping in, is limping in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to Well, that's
0: uh, a perspective of a Cleveland fan. American League East.
3: I got my eye on the American League East Division well, I, all I, year.
1: I'm going to watch how a, this
3: unfolds down here toward the end.
1: Well, John, that, that, that brings me to my, my, my proposition that I wanted to, to present. Um, why don't you come into New York City? Now, John, when we were at Petco Field, um, I, I, I didn't get a chance to talk about our experience. Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to save that story for the next show. Um, yeah. To, uh, let our listeners know that what, what a great time we had when we were uh, we were guests of uh, Petco Field of the San Diego Padres and um and yeah. Glenn Hoffman and and um and Randy jo- uh, you know Randy Jones and uh it was a, it was a great yeah. time and uh but we we were able to enter the stadium based on uh our 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 friends uh Major League Baseball. Uh, card that once you're a, a, a player with seniority, I believe it is. You play certain years. It's memory. a card carrying, literally a card carrying member, and we were able to get in the stadium uh, on the field yeah. level. And now you have one of you possess one of those same cards. Is that right? Where you can yeah, get it I to any state.
0: Card.
3: I, I haven't used it in a long time. I've got. A okay, parts, but but, I have, but, yeah, I have but a you, card.
1: Okay, so you could come to New York, and you and I. Could go to go to watch a Yankees game, or I'd like to go to City Field. I'd rather go to City Field because well, I'd, well, I'd, 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 like I'd like to go to the, the to, to to you know to be with the ball club that you played for. Uh, and I've never I've actually I mean, it's crazy, but I live in New York City, I've never been I've, I'm yet to see City Field. But since you you know, since you are an or um, you know, such a, a you know, high profile player for the Mets organization, I'd love to go there with you. And have that whole experience of being with the club, and you know, and being at the stadium for the first time with you. So why don't we make a plan? Get yourself uh, here to the city, and we'll go. We'll go to City Field.
3: All right, that's that's something we need to work on. Let me find out. They might just if I call them, they might, they might just say, John, who?
1: John, who? <laughs> I don't think so, John, I don't think so. I don't think you have to worry about that. If they if they, they do, say that. John, if you they if they do. So. John, if they do, I'm just going to say what I always do to get me in a lot of places that I've been able to get to by just saying, listen, I'm D.A. Cole, and that works.
0: <laughs>
3: I'm D.A.
1: Cole, and I'm goes, with the band.
0: John, you than don't know how many
1: times I've used that all over New York City. <laughs> it's got, got me in a lot of done places. We more
3: with D.A. Cole than, than I don't John, know about I'm that.
1: Sure. At, a, at, a, at, a, at, at City Field, I don't know about that, but... Um, John, it's been great having you on. Um, we were uh, we we were expecting a, another caller, but uh, we uh, I don't we don't we don't know Adam, what happened. Who it, is. What it was you know Mark it? Mark Latell was supposed to call yeah, in, yeah. and uh, we don't we don't know what happened to Mark. I uh, hope he's
0: okay. Yeah, hope nice. he's okay, Mark.
1: I hope you're okay. I hope was, you're not. You know what? It was probably what was
3: Dave that? Parker and his. It's probably Dave Parker. It must
1: John. I, I would not, buddy. I would not do that to you. It's not Dave Parker. But but no. that brings up a great idea. No. Maybe I w- maybe I will have Dave Parker come on next time we have you on. That yeah, might be a great that'd idea. Be that'd be fantastic. Oh
3: God, don't, John! They, EA, don't do that to me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> John, I, I want to thank you for. Uh, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show, and um, we're going to gonna set something up real soon because we, we didn't even get to half the things uh, that I wanted to talk about. Not even one-tenth of one percent of the stuff. So let, we'll, we'll talk about your, uh, your, your availability uh, in the near future, and we're going to schedule another one so we can get to some of the stuff that I, I didn't get a chance to ask you, man. So um, once again, uh, to know, our DA,
3: listeners. guys, let, let me know, and I love coming on the show. I'm glad everybody, everybody in New York, that's got this on. Thank you guys for being great fans for me all those years. Oh yeah. And I look forward to coming back there. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, John. John, thank you so much. And honestly, we'll we'll cut you loose here, but, uh, you know, irrespective of, yeah, irrespective of what fan you are in any, in any genre of sport, uh, across the, across the sports nation, I mean, you gotta love a guy like John Stearns for crying out loud, Da. I mean, what a great. Well, I like him whether he played baseball or not. He's just a good guy, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. So I mean, obviously (laughs) we're a little biased here, but man, it's like like Da said, we didn't even get into one tenth of one percent of just the myriad of stories, and it's kind of one of those guys that you know, guys, guy, you just want to go down, have a beer, have an espresso, whatever. Yes. uh, Right. And we uh, and just thank him so much. And so, you know, for DA and I, it was, it's a, it was just always a, a great experience when we're able to have just such quality, quality guys on with us. And, and, and DA, you know, he doesn't know this right now, and I was going to say this, but uh, to, to all our listeners tonight, I don't know if you realize, but Red Light, Green Light, has, uh, which is DA Cole's latest album, uh, latest single, excuse me, uh, is, is now uh, on Top 40 Radio around the country and it's making the rounds and it's getting spins and spins. And especially in a day and age where uh, terrestrial radio uh, is competing with a lot of the streaming services. And there's obviously just, you know, uh, you can go out to iTunes, you can go out to uh, Spotify, you can go out to Amazon music uh, just about any of your, 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 your broad spectrum uh, streaming services, but also you could turn on 97.5 here in the city or, or, or anywhere else and, and find DA's, uh, DA's hit song playing, and what I wanted to do was just give it a spin, another spin tonight. All right. Why don't we do it? DA, yeah. do you want to introduce? Yeah, before we do this, I want to ask DA, uh, when you were recording this song, uh, this song recently, uh, what was the, what was the one thing, what, when, when did you realize that that this really was like turning the corner of this particular song uh, for you, like in terms of like the sound and how it was being constructed and how you were able to put everything together. Like how, how do you, well, we were, I, I went into the studio
1: and working from a previously recorded version of the song and expected to just do some remixing on it and update it. But we ended up basically recording, uh, basically we ended up recording the entire song over uh, every aspect of it. I think there's just one piano track. Uh, from the original version of the song or the previous version, so it's a it's a brand new recording. It's a brand new version. Uh, it's updated and uh, it's it's uh, it's current. Oh yeah, it's current for 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 you know for current cu- top 40 country radio and um and the record uh you know right out of the gate. Uh, is, is doing well it's been on it's been released for this is the fourth week and it's on um five top 40 radio stations two of them report to billboard magazine so um we're having some success and we expect it to be a really good fun summer and if uh john if you're still with us um we'll, uh, stay on the line and, and and listen to the new version of the song i don't know if you've heard this yet so this is uh this is red light green light and once again um for brian guard i'm d.a. cole uh Glad to have John Stearns on with us tonight, and uh, we'll see you next time.
2: Hey! Hey,
0: baby, how will I know it's okay to go a little farther, a little farther? Will I show you the way Into my garden Into my garden Red light, green light One, two, three